0: I did like how you opened the episode, sort of energetic. Mm. I'm I'm feeling like
1: we're starting to get our groove, all that stuff. (laughs) You know this is going to be at the beginning, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you ready?
0: Welcome to TGE the podcast. This episode is going to be really special because it's coming hot off the Oscars, and we were going to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody anyway, because we got so many requests for people telling us how badly edited this film is, and why does it get so much recognition? So we're going to take a look at that one scene that everybody's talking about, and then I tweeting thought about tweeting about. And I want to also balance it off, if we have time, with another scene that I think the editor really, really enjoyed on the film.
1: Tyler, how are you? And I have good. And the person who's speaking to you's name is Sven Papa, the host, the curator of This Guy Edits the channel that has spread from YouTube into the podcast realm that is then spread from your word of mouth to your friends who begin listening to the podcast which we very much appreciate if you like what you're hearing apparently you can say hey Siri subscribe to this podcast and if you don't have Siri you can you can still subscribe anyways we appreciate it we are on iTunes Spotify and Stitcher and we would also like to clarify that we are re- Recording this, we want to do it after the Oscars so we could be on the right side of history, as Spike Lee says. (laughs) And we also are doing it just the morning right after. So the morning right before this episode is going to go out. So, you know, information is still coming in. We might miss the latest controversy, but that's just where we are. All we have right now is is Trump's tweet, not slamming the Ku Klux Klan in the alt-right, but slamming Spike Lee for his speech about Trump not saying anything about those matters after Charleston. Nice. What did he say? I didn't read it. I didn't hear about this. Something about I wish Spike, like Spike Lee, should stick to his notes. This is Donald Trump saying this, <laughs> and it's almost phrased in a way as if he should, like he knows what the notes were that Spike should have read. And Trump, so Trump's a telling someone they shouldn't go off book and shoot from the hip, and b that he's done as much, if not more, for African Americans than almost any president. <laughs> so, <clears throat> okay. Boom. Nice. Just Whatever. the facts here. Yeah. Just reporting good. the facts.
0: Well, there was a lot of talk. That, uh, apparently, Spike Lee was upset about Best Picture, who won Green Book. I didn't see it. I just read about it. I mean, I did see the Oscars. I was going to see it because of their decision to actually air the Best Editing Awards speech live and the other three categories that they wanted not to do that with. So they. Um, backed away from that and because of that I was gladly to watch the Oscars and I had a good time, it was good it didn't feel like it went over very long probably stuck to the three hours that they needed to I'm not sure, do you have any gauge on how long it was?
1: I have no idea I haven't watched the Oscars for 11 years oh, Okay, and have no interest <laughs> <Tyler>. <laughs> sometimes I watch speeches <clears throat> but, but, uh, but I mean and just, just, just to highlight this, so Stanley Donnan passed away a, a few days ago never received an Academy Award in competition, <laughs> Hitchcock right. never received a Academy Award in competition. I mean, what what do you need from me? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not interested. The Razzies, Re- however, I'm strong stander behind. Of course, Requiem <laughs> for kidding. a Dream
0: did not get an Oscar nomination for best editing. That is just insane to me.
1: Well, editing is such a tricky thing to to gauge. The degree to which the story was found in the editing, I mean, it's such a subjective experience that really just the filmmakers only have insight on that I think that Bohemian Rhapsody, just with the story of its making and stuff like that, people were able to understand that the editor was hugely instrumental in keeping the production together, more or less making the film work, and quite successfully, I I would say. Sven finally checked it out. What uh, what were your thoughts on uh, Bohemian, Sven? I watched it twice, actually. Wow.
0: Because the first time I just wanted to take it in and not think about the editing. And then I Mm -hmm. looked at the editing. And so my overall impression of the film is that I really enjoyed it. And this is a really special film for me personally as well because of Freddie Mercury. Because he's the first kind of celebrity that I remember had an impact on me as a kid learning what it feels like when like one of those icons dies and Mm. so that i hadn't had that experience of oh my god what the hell is going on the world is stopping until that moment (laughs) and yeah so i didn't know a lot about because i was too young i haven't been to a queen's concert ever um that all happened a little bit later for me so more with like Elton John and Michael Jackson. So I hadn't had that experience of like seeing them live. But it, they were sort of at the beginning of me starting to have interest in music. That's sort of what I went into. I didn't know much about the backstory of who he is and what kind of life he had. So I walked out of it feeling pretty good about the film. Like I felt like it was a great celebration of his uh, life and, his, and the music and a good time. However, mm-hmm. then doing a little research, uh I I realized that they w- were playing fast and loose with the actual events that occurred and mm-hmm. I feel a little sad about that after the fact because this is such a this is the legacy of an important um musician obviously and to to play with the facts to a degree where I felt like that's crossing the line. And there are some filmmakers that really, really want to make sure they get it right. And I feel like on this film, that wasn't necessarily a priority. And mm-hmm. so that, that makes me sad about that this is the film that's going to represent Queen. But I, I also looked at the interviews and, and to see how the band members felt about it. And they seem to be all on board. So maybe I'm yeah. a little less sad about it. But... Uh, I can see why a lot of people feel critical about the film. So that's sort of my big picture take on the film.
1: Well, it's interesting, and I'd like to get into some specifics because I haven't done the research you had, but I know that at one point there was a version of the film that was apparently much more, I guess the phrase is warts and all, that was going to be starring Sasha Baron Cohen, who I think was born to play Freddie Mercury. Yes. I mean, Rami Malek now has an Academy Award for playing Rami Mercury, but Rami Mercury for playing (laughs) Freddie Mercury, but most of... This is how good a job I feel Rami Malek did. Is he got so close to Freddie Mercury that I was I, I could really see how great Sasha Baron Cohen would be <laughs> in that role. <laughs> there there then, were actually
0: a lot of moments in the film where I'm like, you know, he should really be playing Mick Jagger.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and I don't. I mean, the movie was so successful. Why can't we have the Sasha version now? That was like way apparently much more aggressive in terms of the sexuality and drugs and something that really put the band off. That they did not want to support and be behind, so eventually the movie fell apart um, but so what what are the things that because this is the version the band clearly supports what, what just what are some of the specifics in the fast and loose with the facts
0: Well, they never broke up that never happened. They were always <laughs> together. <laughs> And yes, there were some solo (laughs) records made by Freddie Mercury. There were some solo records made by other band members, but but that was totally in line with (laughs) them taking a break because they were just tired of touring. The the whole um, him revealing to the band that he had AIDS just before Live Aid, before the concert, Mm -hmm. history apparently shows that he wasn't even diagnosed for another two, three years after, after Live Aid? After Live Aid. So he didn't even know himself that he had AIDS hmm. at the time. This whole fight with the band manager who's, who said you can't do Bohemian Rhapsody as your like, opening song or call the record that, that never happened. <laughs> um, that executive doesn't really exist. That one, I mean, I have less of a problem with because he's supposed to be Mike like a, yeah, a culmination of various executives, sort of put right. into one. That that kind of stuff, right. to make it dramatically more interesting, I'm I'm fine with. But yeah, why do why do we need to break up the band? I mean, isn't isn't the material itself strong enough that you can just rely on that and figure out a way how to keep us entertained?
1: And I mean, Aaron Sorkin obviously chooses material that there's much more inherent conflict in um, for the stuff he does. But he has a whole stance on it about, (coughs) you know, well, at that point, then you're just making a film like you're just you're just making a, a reenactment documentary. But I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, that that should be done. But I think there's something to be said about drama. You have to have drama. You have to have conflict for scenes to work. It's very hard to do them with it, without it. And I'm not saying this to support it, but I do think that, like you're saying, the movie that came out of it was very nice, but that's just kind of that, that bummer of walking out of a movie theater You know, when you realize, oh, that's not, that's not how it happened because you just want to believe. Yeah. Um, and yet, I don't know, to some extent, does it still provide the experience of how they felt or what they were going through by, by kind of cheating it in that way? Yeah, I, um, I, th- I
0: think um, it's more important with subject matters like this, where you're really representing, again, a legacy of something like an era, a time, a movement. And mm-hmm. I feel like you need to... I feel, I love what Peter Jackson said about his documentary that he really just wanted to make sure that he doesn't put any like artificial touches on it or yes. like make more out of it than it was or make it something different. And mm-hmm. I, I think just going into making a film and understanding okay, this is really important not only to make this work as a film, but to to make sure that it's that it's a fair assessment of what really the truth is. Um, and, for example, also, apparently Freddie Mercury is way more in, an introvert than in the film. Like, his whole hmm. persona when he's off stage is completely different than what the film seems to make him look like, is right. the sense that I'm getting. And I think these are little things that are really, really important to people that care about his music and care about this, this experience that they had i mean yet the film is accomplishing a lot of things it's celebrating him it's opening him up to a new generation of people the music and so forth and that's that's obviously very important and i think that's what the band members appreciate about this project as opposed to the uh, sasha baron cohen version that would have been much darker and grittier and maybe something less of a celebration
1: Yeah. And I'm sure it would have been a celebration. It just would have been, you know, just more of an exploration, perhaps. Yeah. But, you know, and I'm not falling on one side or the other of this, as it might sound like it. I'm just kind of fascinated because we see it all the time. I mean, we see it with Best Picture Winner Green Book. Um, We see it with, you know, almost every, every, every biopic even stuff like 127 hours where the drama is pretty much there, right? You don't think you're going to need to to tweak it at all. And yet there's still still little things that that get done to, to highlight that experience. But I'm just fascinated with filmmakers, incredibly experienced filmmakers. You know, what, what happens? It's almost like running for president or something where you just get into that position and suddenly it's like, well, we need just that edge. We need that extra drama. Like just how you end up kind of making those choices. To push it yeah. is always kind of kind of interesting to me, so but then again, you know it 's interesting because you, as a documentary filmmaker, have often said that you will cheat it, but you are always and you 've even said on this podcast you 're willing to push it a little further to, to absolutely maybe manufacture the order of events yep. to highlight a point, so yep. that 's kind of the interesting. Um, Well, it it has to do with where you come from.
0: Like, as a journalist, you cannot be objective. You have a certain um, agenda, right? The question Mm -hmm. is, what's the standard that you're setting? And so, cutting a documentary, you still have to have a certain standard. Like, this is what the truth is. This is how I see the truth. And this is how I'm going to use the medium to convey, convey it in the best way possible. And so right. with a film like this, I think that's exa- like the truth is that he is an introvert. Like if that's the case, I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I didn't really fully had those insights at the time. But if mm-hmm. that's what it is, like if that's what I'm getting from everybody that knew him, then I would try and figure out a way to tell a story that is super engaging. I mean, how can an introvert as a character be not as – it can be just as interesting as an extrovert. You just need to then pull other uh, levers to make that work. But that's an important point to get right, I think, to really uh, preserve the legacy.
1: Well, the thing and then just the irony I'll point out with this film is one of the things I really, really appreciate about it, which is proof that what we're talking about, what you're kind of talking about works is there were so many scenes in it that were building up to the band is going to have a fight and the band is going to have like a breakdown, you know, brawl during the recording of this. Yep. Right. In the recording sessions. And they would always work around it like the conflict would be diffused. They would apologize to each other and work through their issues, and I just thought it was so cool how that could be kind of inspiring and moving when it goes against everything that you want a scene to do in a movie yeah. and It happened over and over again with this which was which was cool and you rarely see characters working together uh, in a movie there's always you know there 's always a conflict with each other they 're always yeah. going against each other, so it 's cool they did that, and then it 's funny that. You know, the breakup ended being this, this this dark betrayal and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and
0: it's just a plot device that, like, within five minutes they break up and get back together. <laughs> I did really like the, the banter in the band. I thought it was a really not a stereotypical way of how a band is, that they were, like, funny and down-to-earth and... That made it, like, I thought that was great. And I think, and this is where we should start talking about the details and the editing and putting it all together. Because we're not just a podcast, just broadly discussing themes and ideas. We want to look at specifics. So let's get into it. Usually what we do in this podcast is we look at a very specific scene and we play it here. And we play up some of the dialogue, describe what's going on. And you have the option to watch along. We'll include a link in the description of this podcast. We're going to set it up and start it off, play it one time through, describe it, and then we go back and look at some details. Um, Yeah, Yeah,
1: and one thing I'll point out that, that I think is kind of funny is how, you know, with biopics, how, you know, when you're doing something about someone who's more modern where there's a ton of information about them, there can be a lot more pushback about it from people that knew the person, the true facts, etc. I like when a movie paints a character in a certain light, mm-hmm. and then people will argue for the lie because they just want to believe that so much over, you know, like new evidence or something like that. Like, like a George Washington story, it's like, no, he's this. I know what he is. Yeah. All oh. right. Sorry. So let's uh, let's check out this scene that everyone that there was this outrage about. On Twitter, I was getting texts from people that you know, were like, how is the editing so bad in this? Yeah, somebody tweeted no, me it's today nominated?
0: To, to, to give an official statement about how I feel about this scene and this editor oh, winning we the Oscar. So this is what we're going to do. Um, the yeah. editor, by the way, is John Ottman. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting. He is a Brian Singer guy. He's been with him for pretty much his entire career. That's number one. Number two yeah. is that he's a composer, like a real composer, um, who mm-hmm. does both. So he he's scored like X Men and some of the other Brian Singer projects, and he was
1: Superman, supp- supposed uh, to Valkyrie.
0: Yeah, the reason why he actually did Bohemian Rhapsody is because he thought he was going to be able to like do a score as well like some of the underscore some of the stuff and then he decided later this film doesn't need a score it's just about the music which i think makes sense
1: yeah Um, and that said with everything we're talking about i kind of feel like it literally could have been a movie about cows walking around in a field with the same soundtrack and i would have thought it was just as great as well (laughs) just because once you have that music underneath it it's like oh wow yeah yeah this is great (laughs) um but
0: um, did we mention that Brian Singer got fired of this movie and he didn't finish it, actually?
1: it was Yeah, there were like a few weeks of production left and a lot of complications. Yeah, about cetera, uh, a third
0: of the movie still needed to be shot. They replaced him with Dexter Fletcher, who is now doing Rocketman. And so he brought it home. But again, uh, John Ottman was an editor that worked with Brian Singer on previous films. And rumors are that John Ottman really then put the film together in the editing. Like he was heavily sort of the creative force of putting it well, all Well, what into. I
1: hear is that those last few weeks of filming needed to be concluded. And yeah. there'd been tons of problems throughout production, obviously, with whatever the cause was leading, leading to the director vanishing for yeah. a couple of weeks and then being fired. Yeah. Um, DP shooting a lot of stuff. But what I hear is that he pulled a rough cut together showed it to the studio and they were so happy with just that that they actually moved it from christmas day into the heart of awards season yeah and then brought in dexter fletcher to to finish it oh good so yeah that makes so sense. it was in a good place and i mean
0: so we're gonna show that scene that everybody is tweeting about where um freddie mercury basically sits down in some form of outdoor coffee shop and this is the first time that they meet their new band manager John Reed or this is like where this where John Reed decides he's going to sign them um to the yeah, label I'm,
1: but now can Sven just for myself what is you cuz you just watched it twice what's the scene that directly precedes this they have a fight with Mike Myers's character right which took me like half half his scenes to figure out it was him and then it's they're in this like a precarious later. situation right okay well or is, does that this happen is, later
0: this happens later i think this is okay this is like they're sort of really done their first record on their own and they get this they're doing a couple of gigs and they get this call prior from the label saying okay john reed wants to meet with you
1: and then they set up how important he is the artist yep. he's work he's an incredibly important character and there's a ton writing on this and this is the kind of first time we're seeing like how fully flamboyant Freddie's willing to go right yes yes so this is like okay
0: yeah this is sort of the second phase of the band where they go from like finding each other and doing their first thing to now starting to become a serious
1: yeah, and I and I just want to set that up—the importance of that character and, and what's going on, because I think that goes a long way to explain why the editing in this scene is what it needs to yes, be, yes, that's and why a... it's not bad editing, in my opinion. And no, one, I kept looking for the counterpoint with all the, you know, all the the social media dragging of it, and <laughs> never really saw an argument for it. I, so I, I have some to...
0: examples of people. I have okay. this whole tweet of people saying, "Okay." The editor was paid for every cut they made, so it was just an economic decisions more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> the okay. acting is good. It's the 89 jump cuts.
1: <laughs> right. And um, I mean, I don't know. if the, Do we know what a jump cut is
0: in that, in that statement? There's, there's um, a, there isn't a single jump cut in that scene, by the way. Um, right. Every YouTuber should have an Oscar. It's <laughs> well, that's true. The but absurd amount of w- cuts which ruins this flow of the scene. So it's it's all criticizing the same idea, which is basically it's a very cutty scene, right? There's lots of
1: cuts. Mm. Yeah. Well, we would we would use cutty in a different way, but yeah. this is criticizing it for having a fast pace.
0: Yeah. It's, I have motion sickness. The scene stings <laughs> out loud. Oh man,
1: that made me crazy dizzy. Done on <laughs> Snapchat. And one thing I want to point out is that what I like about the, the link that you found yeah. is that it actually has the beginning of the scene, which I think is important. Right. The one that's being tweeted that everyone's reacting to starts after the scene has already begun. So yep. you're at, you're kind of starting with the heightened pacing. Yeah, And it's it's very interesting, because most of the people I find, the people I heard about it from and stuff, hadn't seen the movie. And that goes for a lot of specific criticisms, yeah. where I think your criticisms of it, the stuff you found it, is accurate, where there were a lot of people upset about it that then went and saw it and were like, oh, wait, no, he, they do articulate his sexuality in the movie, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So so it's an interesting how people are reacting without really understanding it. And I, I just had the hardest time thinking of what scene it could possibly be. That people were reacting to so strongly because it didn't bother me at all watching the film.
0: Why well, it's this particular scene and some? Well, yeah. Some uh, bring up
1: Catwoman, which is basically uh, <laughs> 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 as low as you can go when it comes. And to there's f- a great "Your Movie Sucks" on Catwoman that I highly recommend. It's a mass. It's maybe the best movie I saw last year. Is the yeah. "Your Movie Sucks" on Catwoman?
0: All right. Well, we're not going to play the ending in. In the scene, meaning what that means is we're not going to reveal how we feel about this scene before we actually show you what's going on. Okay, I like um, it. Here we go. In three, (laughs) two, one. So Freddie Mercury walks through a cafe door outside. Camera pulls up into a nice white shot. He walks over to his band members. Establishing. Presenting his new outfit. I've got to make an impression, darling. You look like an angry lizard. (laughs) And he sits down. There's a lot of cutting between the band members. A random guy walks by. We see his back. He pulls up a chair, sits down. It is John Reed, the manager of this exciting label. Mm -hmm.
1: So this is Queen.
0: And you must be Freddie Mercury. You've got a gift you all have. So tell me, what makes Queen any different from all of the other... Cuts between them as he is trying to figure out what this band is about. We're four misfits who don't belong together, playing to the other misfits. The outcasts, right at the back of the room, who are pretty sure they don't belong either. Mm -hmm. We belong to them. (laughs) We're a family, but no two of us are the same. And he's convinced. These are good guys. Some other guy walks up. We we don't know he's convinced yet. Meet Queen...
1: Well, new I'm, I felt like I'm, Paul will be looking after you day it. to day.
0: <laughs> Pleasure. If I can get you on the radio, maybe I can get you on television. Top
1: of the Pops? Hopefully. Because they're surprised. And then? <laughs> and then? It's only the biggest television program in the country. Okay, so
0: he tells him what's going to happen for them. He's going to try to get them on a TV show, and if it goes well... got a promotional tour of Japan in mind. They go to a promotional
1: tour in Japan.
0: We'll, we'll want more. Every band wants more
1: which then we don't get to see how it plays out, which we don't usually do, but whatever. Yeah, it it Um, basically unwinds pretty, like
0: they they end that thought and then there's a bunch of reaction shots of the different team members
1: considering mm -hmm. this and
0: starting to smile, like, yes, that's what we want. Is
1: it fast or slow in pacing, that end bit? I think it slows down a bit. Okay, so that just goes to kind of prove the point of when you're just analyzing a section of something, Mm -hmm. it doesn't serve the purpose of the experience of the movie, and obviously I'm just going to throw my weight, (laughs) whatever weight I have, into fully, fully supporting that this scene is edited the way that it needs to be, and I'll just kind of explain why real quick. One is to do, kind of with the pacing of the experience of this thing, is that... There's a lot going on in the scene in terms of this movie. It's Mm -hmm. a huge turning point in it, and it's a total twist on expectations of what you're expecting. You're expecting them to have to struggle and fight, like you'd see in most movies, to get this huge opportunity, but it just works out for them, right? And things happen fast for Queen, and every moment has to mean something also. So I think having a faster pace for that stuff is good because there's a lot going on in it and what we could do is we could actually look at each shot to prove that the editing works and say that that shot is accomplishing something different than the shot before it and that it has meaning yeah i mean if we just look at the beginning obviously this is establishing the location we're establishing freddie's in this new wild outfit we need to see the bandmates reactions to this which we get we have a little fun with it and it starts a little slower and we're going between them having a little fun sitting down and then we kind of make a choice to sneak this character in also
0: yeah before we do Mm -hmm. i would like to point out that most of the lines are played off camera and i think there's a Hmm. reason why that is what's that I think the scene from what I'm reading is there's a lot a lot of improvisation going on. And I think the scene was being saved somewhat in post-production that most mm-hmm. of these lines, this is all ADR is what I'm assuming. This entire scene was adr which means <laughs> it was recorded <laughs> in a studio after mm-hmm. the fact. And so this whole banter, I think, is actually created in the editing because we don't really see any of the band members say any of these smirk remarks uh right on camera and so Mm -hmm. why why did they cut it this way is because the scene is trying to accomplish a couple things and in this first part of the scene what they're trying to accomplish is to set up the fact that they are misfits and this new outfit is representing that so yeah. they needed to create some form of banter that talks about this outfit and how Freddie Mercury doesn't care. He,
1: he enjoys the fact mm-hmm. that he's a misfit, and that's a setup
0: for what's about to happen. Okay.
1: Right, and it also creates a loose feeling that's disorganized and lost, because when this character shows up, he breaks that up, and it becomes very organized. Yep. in terms of what's happening and likewise like you're saying the whole thing with the outfit the experience watching this movie if you're watching it is why is he self-destructing he's going to blow it this is an important meeting why do you show up dressed like a fucking lizard uh-huh. <laughs> right so you kind of have all that and then that leads to this moment where the hand grabs the, the this insert at 23 of the chair being turned breaks all that up and it really has a, a dynamic effect when you're watching the film you did just mention
0: something that I didn't even think about, which is, oh, he might be screwing up this meeting by dressing up like this. This scene does mm-hmm. not tell us that, right? If that's right. that those are really interesting stakes. So you could have the band members get really, really worried and be like, "What the hell are you doing? Um, this is like you, this, you're going to blow it." And mm-hmm. then the scene could play in a different direction, and I could see that scene work really, really well that way. But they're really casual.
1: They're like, they don't care. Well, they ultimately support each other. And they're clean. You know what I mean? This thing ends up working. So it's more fun that the audience is like, wait, this is, what the fuck are they doing? This is all over the place and it's crazy. Subconsciously. And then suddenly, oh, now this guy's here. And you get to see them snap. And this is quick cutting. At 23, the chair goes down. Boom. Quick reactions. Total change of face. Oh, we better get our act together between each character. So it's good, and then he's sitting down, kind of owning the frame, and he begins
0: the speech. Yeah, I do have to say, it feels cutty to me. Like yeah, when I for saw sure. it the first time, out of context, not having seen the film, I thought, "Wow, this is an editor who is either super confident, or he's seen the scene too too many <laughs> times and has lost." he's too close to it to realize you really need to like give these reaction shots more of a breath to make Mm -hmm. that point. I I feel like it's always like a hinted reaction of what I think this person feels. And then we're already moving on to the next thing. So my instinct would have been to slow this down, spend a little bit more time on each reaction. And Mm -hmm. that would draw out the scene probably by another 10, 20 seconds but having seen the movie now, I feel like, okay, I can. I think the editor is not. I know. He knows what he's
1: doing. Right. He's clearly not incompetent. And also watching the film, just being the guy who's on, on the side of, of, of history, the, being the best edited film of the year, <laughs> yeah. the, you also have to think about the scene in context of what else is going on in the film. It could really throw the energy of this entire movie off in this moment in their lives or saving up to those moments where you really want to hold on stuff by maybe doing the more obvious choice and really slowing this down, having reaction shots, taking time with, with the pacing where this is just kind of a thing where it almost throws you off. Yeah. To me, watching it, it threw me off in, term, in a good way in terms of, oh, this isn't going how I expected. This is happening quickly. Like yeah. this event in their lives, things are... And then, of course, it has to happen quick because look at the stuff they go on and do after this. We're not going to make a whole scene like we do with the Mike Myers stuff out of how they get their first manager. It's just like, yeah, cool, we'll sign you. It's like, oh, here we are. And then they're playing to 50,000 people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to me, the scene is
0: really a fix. Like I've, I've, I think the scene still has some problems in here. By the fact that it needs to accomplish so much. It needs to bring across the misfit idea. It needs to introduce a new character, which is the manager. It's introducing a new plot point. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. just a second. It's introducing a new plot point, (laughs) which is the band is now going to the next stage of their career. Then it's introducing another really important character, which ends up being sort of a villain um, or love interest at the beginning. And it needs to, most importantly, create the illusion that this manager is going to sign them on the spot because Freddie Mercury pitches him, we're the misfits that everybody Mm -hmm. in the back of the room is going to relate to. He's like, okay, cool. That's all I need to hear. So now we're going to be working together for the next five years. That's usually... this kind of relationship change you need a couple of scenes to make that work like uh, there needs to be resistance and there needs to be uh, getting to know each other and growing and whatever to accomplish all that and they just decided we're not going to spend 10 minutes on this to right get us to the next stage of the movie we need to be Like the first 20, 30 minutes, they need to get together. They need to find each other, make their first record, move on, so that we can get to the goal, the good stuff, the great songs. And this is why this scene was cut that way, is because within a minute, it does four major
1: things. And you can also see this scene... As written and really milking the drama of each moment, you can see that just bogging the movie down because yeah. there's like you're saying, there's a lot of drama in it and a lot to play on. You can there's a very easily there's like a four minute version of this scene. This is played out in a minute and 38 seconds. And you know that it's not being done randomly and incoherently because we hold on the part of the scene that matters. It's not Cuddy during his speech about being the misfits. Yeah. Right, And by making the rest of it faster, you give more power to that by holding on it, yeah so it, a lot of this stuff, a lot of these things that might be bothering you that don 't bother you if you 're seeing the movie, but they bother you if you watch it on Twitter, going into it knowing oh i 'm counting cuts here, then um, you can miss the 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 real you know the distraction tactic of what 's going on with that editing,
0: yeah, and by making it this fast it 's hiding the refrigerator logic in the scene. Which is basically refrigerator logic is a moment in a film that really doesn't make a lot of sense when you think mm-hmm. about it. So when you go back to the refrigerator later to get your snack, you're like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, this is exactly what's going on here. It's like this what the scene accomplishes in this short amount of time is nearly impossible to accomplish which is sell a manager to sign this band and put it on a TV show based on one sentence that Freddie Mercury says. (laughs) Right.
1: With a sense of drama, tension, and and stakes. And making it entertainment with the bantering at the beginning. Yes. And I like that you've co-opted Hitchcock's Ice Cooler just into into, Sven's refrigerator logic. (laughs) Actually, I got
0: that from uh, Steve August. John August. John August. Sorry, writer. John August.
1: He calls him. Um, a we, need to, we need to come up. We need. A, we need a new appliance. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, <clears throat> so let's see. So I'm just watching through it here. 41. <clears throat> he's coming at them fast and heavy. We're seeing. You know, you have to let us know where each character's coming from, and then boom. At 46, we're on Mercury. Single shot. <clears throat> we cut away to the band members listening to him, supporting him. Quickly, this guy taking it in. There's four. I don't know my what my what my math is on this, but it just kind of shows how we're you know we're prioritizing what's important. Yep. And then we go to this wide master shot here. Yes. <clears throat> which you always go to a master shot, even though this was their establishing shot when there's characters entering the scene, because being far away lets you think at 106. <clears throat> let's you think maybe this is a waiter or something like that. It doesn't play it too hard <clears throat> and gives us some space and lets us know it's kind of becoming a new scene. Yes. So there's a turn. lot you have to do with this moment. Because we in all this stuff that's going on, we're drilling in this thing that does end up being an incredibly memorable moment in the movie of this character being introduced in, in Mercury's reaction. And then suddenly boom, this guy's on board. We didn't see that coming. The band didn't see that coming but that's not more that's not enough mercury wants more mm-hmm. you know what i mean so there's like you're saying there's just all this stuff going on and which yeah, is a, I don't,
0: which I is a nice was. way to end a scene like it's not fully mm-hmm. resolved i mean all the big things have been accomplished but there's more like he wants more is a good way to right. end a scene on a high as opposed to them shaking hands and walking off and going back inside and <laughs> saying goodbye and then driving off in separate cars which some scenes play that way or some movies here, obviously, right. they then just come, go to the next big moment, which is, I don't know, but I assume it's going to be them playing on television in the, on that show. Right. Let ahead. me
1: just say, so my final argument on it, the reason that I think it is an example of incredibly sophisticated, knowledgeable editing yeah. is because it works so well and accomplishes so much while being cut in a way where if you look at it, isolated outside the film as so many people did it's it comes across as wait what why is this this way i think the very thing that people are bothered by is the reason that it is so 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 successful in terms of editing and a really sophisticated editor knowing the way you have to push things to make them work and taking advantage of that instead of maybe the movie falls apart if it if it's Five seconds for every, you know, five seconds more for every shot, et cetera, et cetera. That's the thing you're dealing with all the time. Is sometimes you can lose the energy of the whole piece. So I think because the movie works, that's evidence enough that this scene is what it should be and needs to be.
0: Yes, and just looking at the big picture of it, I think the scene is in the first third of the movie, and the first third of the entire movie feels really cutty to me. I did Mm -hmm. feel that, and then once they. got past it it felt much smoother to me i felt overall when you look at editing you can always look at the details the scenes and like how is it put together does it feel smooth does it work is is the arc well but then the overall flow of the film is just as important probably even more important and i thought this film was done in terms of the editing, tremendously well in pacing out things that are high, that have a lot of energy, and things that slow down. And it really felt like even seeing it the second time, I was never bored. It felt like it, was, it had a really good pace in terms of mm-hmm. keeping me engaged throughout, enjoying the music, and then sort of getting interested into the, the plot itself. I thought the ending is incredible the live eight mm-hmm. thing where it just sort of becomes a concert movie for a good i don't know it felt like 20 minutes to me and i just loved it that's like that's the reason to
1: see this film on the big screen is the last 20 minutes are just mm-hmm. insane um, and the thing I really, I really liked about that also was the throwback of seeing it. And I don't know if this was an editorial choice. It just seems like such, it seems like such an oddly specific visual thing to write. Yeah. But the idea that the movie begin going to the live aid concert, we're tracking behind him as he walks to stage, and then you don't find out till much later in the film. We reveal that this is actually a very personal perspective that those band members had and it was like a very nice kind of unifying moment and the other thing I'll just kind of say about the style of this film is exactly what you're saying Sven the reason I think it works so well is is because of this very thing kind of the way the scene is put together is it really just it just goes by and there's like a lot happening but it's a weird movie in that it just kind of this experience and this wonderful music just kind of glides over you and you get to kind of just slip through this experience and I don't know that you can have that, you know, cutting things in a really traditional way. And it's fun to, you know, see people push stuff. And it's weird that a movie, of course, it's not, you know, grammatically there are issues with the scene, but I think those end up making it stronger. And me looking at it, knowing what we know about what comes before, what comes after it, what, what it needs to accomplish, I can't think of a way to cut it better without sacrificing the experience of the movie. And I think that's ultimately what it comes down to
0: oh i had a i had a cut in that particular scene where i felt like <laughs> <laughs> that would make it even smoother which is like Uh-oh. he walks over and he <laughs> says so you're queen and you're freddie mercury you're the one that mm-hmm. everybody talks
1: about i think what time code 29 um,
0: it's early yeah
1: Let's and then he says it at 30 you didn't like the finger point so this is queen
0: and you are, must be freddie mercury so I think you should go. So this is Queen, and you have a gift. Take out the Freddie Mercury Can't re-write part. rewrite it? <laughs> no, yeah. not rewrite it. Just recut
1: it. Wait, hold on. Let me see if those lines exist. And you got a oh, gift. Wow. So you think just cut that line out? The pointing. Which I think the that's the thing with the pointing is that's Keep the, the pointing. thing that kind of the thing with the pointing bugged me a little bit too. Yeah. Okay. But I think that. I think but that, the, the bugging is like the impact of it. Cause again, this is, if you remember the experience of the movie, we have this mysterious character setting down, he's been set up as a person, a person with power that can change their lives. So there's something about like just a quick, the odd cut in that finger jabbing at the audience, you know, that I think just adds subconsciously adds like an energy and a sense of threat to it, building up that, yeah. that payoff of, of us learning, Oh wait, Holy shit. He's going to sign them. I yeah. didn't expect that. Yep, yep. I just, <laughs> I'm just going to defend it because that's the game of this. The reason this why goes. I would have made that cut is because he's saying
0: some things that are so obvious to everybody. And <laughs> so why does he need to address Freddie Mercury by name once again? And it would make more for a surprise because at this point you would expect him to say exactly that. And then he's going to say, and you, you have a gift. And then you have an immediate turn, a
1: release. You go from tension to release. Well, you need to take in cultural context for this as well, though. We have an actor known for playing Littlefinger, so it's important that he point his second largest finger on his hand or else the audience is going to be associating him with that. <laughs> okay. All right, you win. I okay, give up. Cool. Um, so I guess next we're going to
0: make this a two-parter, right? We're going to sure. look at the other scene. This is a scene. Uh, it's the Galileo scene which I think mm-hmm. is really nice. This is, they're recording oh, yeah. the stuff and they're cutting from the rooster to actually a guy saying Galileo. It sounds like the rooster is saying it. Mm-hmm. So this is the editor really having fun and I found a great interview with John Artman and uh, Steve Halfish from Art of the Cut on Pro Video Coalition. I'm going to leave a link. We're going to leave a link in the description as well. So if you want to read ahead, read that read that interview of the editor talking about the process of cutting bohemian rhapsody they talk a lot about music and how uh, john really loves being a composer more than an editor which is interesting (laughs) he's having fun in that scene and this is something where he can really shine and partially why this
1: film deservedly got best oscar win so that's up next time Awesome. Yes, a movie wins the Academy Award for Best Editing and the This Guy and the Ace Award and every other award and the This Guy podcast will examine it for at least two episodes. And I think not looking at the the musical nature of the film and those other montage type sequences really also helps explain why this scene exists in the way it does, and it needs to maintain a certain energy to fit into this particular film. Noise. Cool. So if you enjoy what you're hearing, tell a friend to listen to the podcast. If you hate us, if you completely disagree and think this scene is edited horribly, then tell a friend to listen to the podcast and uh, hate on us. Get on the comment board. Yeah. Uh, where at, Sven?
0: Uh, comments are at thisguyedits.com slash comment and if you're saying this scene that we just saw has jump cuts you're wrong if you're saying they're (laughs) jumping the line
1: you're wrong as well they didn't jump the line once and if you're saying it has too many edits you might be right but there might also be a reason for that very true and we're gonna be on the side of the academy which also never awarded stanley don and or hitchcock yeah and (laughs) raking for a dream should have gotten an oscar i like that that's your one and spike lee (laughs) you <laughs> should have way more. Thank you to kurta for the music. New stuff coming soon. Putting some pressure on him because apparently it's done. But where is it, kurta Where yeah, is, is it? it? We need yeah. a new track somewhere in the Uh-oh. podcast. <laughs> in the middle. And as Sven always says... Happy editing. Instead, it's iPhones and TV shows about tweakers. There's no sane zone, to so put your head between the speakers. There's no sane zone, so put your head between the speakers so yeah i think i started to i went through to explain why every moment had to be there and like 11 seconds into it i was like whoa i'm way overwhelmed there's too much going on in this scene
0: yeah 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 it's good but uh too furious i don't know this was wild and crazy good representation of the film turning off